welcome to the teaching ministry of Dr. Benji Kelly and New Hope Church. Dr. Kelly is currently leading us through a series entitled, He Still Moves Stones, that's diving into the miracles of Jesus found in the book of John. God did miracles then, and he still does them now. Here's Dr. Kelly with this week's podcast. It is good, good, good to be back with you guys, and uh, I'm so glad you're here today. Uh, it's always good to travel, and if you're a guest, I've been going uh, for about three weeks. Um, we went on a trip to Greece, and I'll talk a little bit more about that, but let me tell you, man, it is good to come back, and every time I travel internationally, I don't know about you, but when I land back in the United States of America, I want to kiss the sidewalk, because we live... In the greatest country on the planet. And I'm so, so grateful for you. Welcome to all of the campuses at all of our locations. And I really just want to take a moment and just look at you. Because I really did miss you. And I want to tell you this too. Uh, in light of what's going on in our world today, you are one of the best groups of people I get to lay my eyes on on a regular basis. And when I'm away, it makes me miss you that much more. And I, I've been to the campuses, so I know who you are there. And I just love, love, love what God is doing. And um, I just felt like I wanted to pray with you today. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that, that I tweeted this on Monday night. We landed late Sunday night, and then I was kind of out of the loop. I was catching a little bit of news while in Greece, um, but, but I was kind of out of the loop. And so I landed back in America, kissed the sidewalk, got in my bed, thought this is the most comfortable bed on the planet. But then I started watching the news, and I realized what condition our world is in. And I tweeted this, and maybe you saw it. Here's what I said. Deeply concerned for our world. Earthquake, Nepal. Volcano, Chile. Rioting, Baltimore. Executions, Indonesia. Can't sleep, Maranatha, praying. Maranatha means what? Come, Lord Jesus. And so what I, what I mean when I look out here and I look at you, in light of what our world is looking like today, this is one of the most beautiful sights I ever come across. Because right here in the midst of New Hope Church, we are representing and showing to the world, demonstrating clearly that we can exist in the world amidst all of our diversity and all of, all of the differences that we have here. Here we are demonstrating to the world that we can love one another and be in God's house together. As a very diverse community of faith. Come on now. Come on now. So I want to. I want to pray. I want to pray as country calms down today. I want to pray. I want to pray. I know you're excited to see me country. I'm excited to see you. Um, but we're, we're, we're going to calm you down a little bit today. I can tell already it's going to be a, it's going to be a long one. <laughs> let, let, Let's pray together. Father, uh, I don't know. I just feel led to, to pray today with this church that I love so much, God. And as we look at the world, this is a jacked up world. And God, as we look at racial tensions in our country, 
We look at natural disasters. We look at executions and even things like ISIS killing Christians. God, we look at the importance of Supreme Court decisions. We look at the political season ahead. And God, the truth is I'm just thrust to my knees in humility just to pray for our country. And God, as the world continues to slip deeper and deeper into darkness, Father, I thank you that the church is the hope of the world. God, I thank you that when the church is running on all cylinders, God, when she's being faithful to you and you're breaking down racial barriers and you're breaking down denominational divisions and you're you're bringing socioeconomic disparities together and you're showing us, God, that we can be the church. We can be the hope of the world. We can be the light in the midst of darkness. I'm just so humbled and I'm so thankful that I get to do this with such a beautiful community of faith. Father, would you pour out your spirit where there is darkness, where there is sin, God, I pray that you would eradicate that and you would allow the church to shine brightly. God, where there is divisions, I pray that the church would demonstrate unity. God, I pray, I pray, I pray, I pray that we would be the people you've called us to be. And I thank you that we get to do this. We pray for our country, God. We pray for the systems. We pray for those who are living in the system, God, who might not be doing things the way you're calling us to do. I thank you for the good folks in the world who allow your goodness to shine through them. God, I'm just mostly so thankful to be back with this church. Would you take our minds today and think through them as we crack open the word of God? Would you take our hearts and fill with them? Lord Jesus, would you take my lips today and speak through them? For if you do not speak, then absolutely nothing of any significance will have been spoken. We pray this in Jesus' name. And the people of God said, Amen, Amen, and Amen. We are so glad. You are here. Hey, baptisms today. Just a word to you. Baptisms today. So if you want to get baptized, we're going to do that at 2.15. You can register at the end of the service. Next Sunday. Who knows what next Sunday is? Mother's Day. Bring your moms. We got a special treat for the moms at all of the campuses. But let's go get this today. We are in the middle of a series. We're in the middle of a series called He Still Moves Stones. He still moves stones. So go ahead and take out your teaching notes and turn them over to the back. And uh, the whole series, by the way, if you're new here, is about the miracles of Christ in the Gospel of John. The miracles of Christ. And we started this series on Easter Sunday. And on that day, we studied John 20. And we studied the greatest miracle ever known to humanity, the one that caused the church to be birthed into existence. I'm talking about the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Then we looked at John 2. And in John 2, we, uh, we studied the passage where Jesus turns water to wine. If you missed that, you can get all of these in the resource center. Then um, we looked at John 4, John 4. And in John 4, Pastor Nate Mariner at the Sanford campus preached about the fact that Jesus is Lord over longitude and latitude. 
Pastor Jared Wilkins preached on John chapter 5, where we saw Jesus heal an invalid who had been sick for 38 years. Today, I'm pumped up to preach on John chapter 6. You can go and open up your Bible to John chapter 6, and we can look at where Jesus actually was the great multiplier. That'll make more sense as the day goes on. 4, 5, 6. Next week, I cannot wait to preach on John chapter 9. John chapter 9, the passage that I'm teaching on next week is the passage in the Bible. Some of you don't even know this is in the Bible where Jesus hocked a loogie. If I'm lying, I'm dying. I'm talking about Jesus went, no, I'm just kidding. That would be eyes of Jesus. We don't see that in the text. But here's what I know. Jesus hopped a loogie and healed a man who had been born blind. You don't want to miss next week. And then after that, we're going to close the series, HC, pardon my abbreviations. We're going to close the series with Holy Communion and wrap up this series on miracles. Who is enjoying the miracles of God? Man, this has been an incredible series. Now, just by way of review... I pointed this out the very first week. The, the, the miracles in Jesus's, um, in the Gospel of John, the miracles are referred to, write this down, signs. This is where John is different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke. In John's Gospel, Jesus performs these miracles and they are called signs. And the signs, there are seven key signs that are defining benchmarks, if you will, for understanding the gospel of John. And what's very, very interesting about John, again, different than Matthew, Mark, and Luke, is that the, is that the miracles, the signs, are to point in the gospel of John, write this down, to the glory of Jesus. The purpose of the miracles in the gospel of John is not for the sake of the miracles. The purpose of the miracles in the gospel of John is not for the sake of the recipients of the miracles. Follow me here for a moment. The purpose of the miracles in the gospel of John is that they serve as what church? And the signs do what? Give glory. To who? I'm going to get real specific here. Jesus. God is the right answer too, yes, but Jesus is God. Amen? Amen. So open up your Bibles to John chapter 6, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 15. If you're ready for the word of the Lord, say amen. Amen. Here we go. Sometime after this, verse 1, John chapter 6. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias, and a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the... They saw the signs he performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up on a mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming toward him, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? Come on, parents. Have you ever felt like that? All the biscuit snatchers are in the kitchen, right? The kitchen, the refrigerator's empty. The pantry's empty. The leftovers in the refrigerator are funky. Right? Right? And you're like, where are we to find food to feed these people? Right? Now, now this is, this is you, you might feel that in your kitchen, but Jesus is dealing with 20,000 people. 
Now you might say, where do you get that from? Because the text says 5,000. Check it out. Whoever wrote above that passage, it might say in your Bible, the feeding of the 5,000. We've heard it called that before. That is a, that is a poor representation of the actual text. As we will see, there were 5,000 men. We know there were women and children involved. So our best guess, scholars predict, is that there were somewhere around 20,000 people on this hillside. And Jesus is like, dude, where are we going to feed all these people? Okay? But he knows what he's about to do. Watch this. He asked this only to test him. For he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. This is a big crowd, okay? Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. Count them for me. You can count better than that. I'm just saying. That's it. Five small loaves. Man, we went to the grocery store last night late. We were looking for a whole fish, two whole fish. I couldn't find it. And if I did find it, I wasn't even sure I was going to pull it out because who, who wants some real fish up in here today? So I got this can. There's supposedly two fish in here. Should I? Why? See, this is where multi-site, the campuses would come out far better. If I cracked this bad boy open, you guys wouldn't have to smell what we would smell up in here today. So I'm, I'm going I'm to oblige you. We're going to leave it in here. But five small loaves and two little fish fed 20,000 people. It just causes me to ask this question right here. This is, uh, this is really not even a part of where I'm going today, but I feel led to ask it right here. Do you believe that? Like, like do you believe that the miracle even happened. I think sometimes we take for granted that everybody here has such great. Some of you are like, man, I don't know about that. Five small loaves, two fish. Jesus feeds 20,000 people. But how far will that go among so many? Look at verse 10. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down, about 5,000, there it is, men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. This was like a buffet, as, as much as they wanted. He did the same with the sushi, hello, fish. When they had enough to eat, he said to the disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled, filled what? 
remarkable. How many disciples were there? With the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Oh, I went too far. Go back. After the people saw the, there it is, saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. It's an absolutely fascinating miracle, and it's about food. Come on, moment of confession. Who in here loves food? I told you we went to Greece. We were there for two entire weeks. I took 26 New Hopers. We traveled in the footsteps of Paul. I took the video productions team. I recorded, I was going to record three messages that we would watch in the movie theater in October and November. If you're familiar with what's going on, we got a building expansion here in October and November. Those of us at Central Campus, not the other campuses, at Central Campus, we're going to move into the movie theater and worship there for two months while that wall goes bye-bye. And that wall goes what? And we fly a balcony in here. We're going to be in the movie theater. So I, I went and supposed to preach three messages. Ended up preaching five. God showed up. If you haven't been to Greece, it is a breathtakingly beautiful country. But can I just let you know that when it was time to come home, this old boy was ready to come home and eat some American food. You know, and listen, Greece is friendly and you feel safe and the food is healthy. I mean, the Mediterranean diet, it's healthy. But come on, how many olives can you eat? (laughs) Bathed in olive oil. And now my wife is so frisky, she brought some olive oil back. And now she's fixing Mediterranean stuff every night. So I did what every good dad would do. On the Monday I got back, I loaded up my four boys and I took them to Merritt's for a BLT. And in campuses, you need to hear this too. If you've never been to Merritt's Grill in Chapel Hill and had a BLT, you might not be saved. (laughs) And the campuses, it is worth every mile you drive to go to Chapel Hill and eat a BLT. But I was craving some American food, man. And and here's the deal. I don't know if you uh, remember this, but those of you who are new, you might not know this. We did a series a couple months ago called Daniel Strong. Becoming Daniel Strong. And many of us changed our diet completely. And I keep hearing life stories. Some of you are more physically fit than you've ever been before. My wife took those messages and she got aggressive. She emptied out all of the pantries. Emptied out the refrigerator. And put nothing but healthy food up in our house. Now I'm down with that. I'm happy. I'm happy. Because if I want something unhealthy, I'll just go buy it. But it makes me... (laughs) It makes me eat a lot more healthy than I would otherwise. I'm down with it. My children are not so down with it. And um, one of my boys this week, because we've been doing this for a couple months now, I'm telling you, there's no processed stuff. It's, she's, she's doing the organic thing, dude. It's all, it's all. And um, so one of my kids, my kids, I'm not going to say his name, Joshua. Um, he's my little nine-year-old. He's my youngest. He's had it up to here. He's like, And he keeps talking to daddy about it. He wants to talk to daddy about the food mama's buying. And so finally, when he realized daddy wasn't getting the job done, my boy Joshua went to a little dry erase board that we have in our our kitchen. And we, we write down grocery supplies that we need. And Joshua erased all the healthy stuff and, and he made his own list. You want to see it? 
Yeah, here's what Joshua wrote. Flute smoothies. The bar soap for shower, that was one of the older kids. That's not Joshua. Now back to Joshua. Cheez-Its. Come on, Mom. You can't be a kid without eating Cheez-Its. Honey mustard. Look out to the right. Homeboy wrote grits. That's a boy that's being raised in the way of the Lord. If you're from down, if you're from up north, we're so glad you're here. You need to eat grits. Then he wrote hot chocolate mix. Look at how he spelled chocolate. Goldfish. Original mom. Don't be giving me any of that organic stuff. Frozen blueberries. That's my handwriting because I'm making a lot of smoothies these days. Frozen blueberries. Oatmeal. Fast pack, mom. I like it fast. I like it unhealthy, mom. Fast pack. Lemonade packs. I'll take 10 of those, mom. Cinnamon swirl bread. He loves it in the morning. And I love the last one. Jeff peanut butter. Jeff. Jeff. (laughs) He's like, man, take that natural peanut butter stuff and get it out of our house. Because if you get that natural stuff, man, you open it, right? And there's like that much water on top. It's like oil, right? Josh is like, enough of this nonsense. But here's my point. Here's the thing I want to talk to you about today. Because I want to come in, I want to come in through the front door for this particular passage. What I mean by that is I want to come in on the front end because you've all heard this passage. If you grew up in the church at all, or even if you've been to church just a little bit of time, you've probably heard this miracle. It is like one of the most famous miracles of Jesus. And we always focus on Jesus multiplying the bread and the fish to feed the thousands. I would like to actually talk about the appetizer before the entree today. I would like to talk about the little boy. Did did you catch the little boy? The little boy was the catalyst for the miracle. You might not even pick this up if you're not careful. We'll breeze right through this. Yeah, Jesus performs the miracle. Yes, 20,000 people eat. But did you catch that the 20,000 people probably would not have eaten if the little boy hadn't generously given his five loaves and his two fish? The point I want to make today on the very front end, and do not miss this, the miracles of God usually happens when Jesus brings his super and I bring my natural and the result is nothing less than the supernatural miracles in my life. Did you catch that? The miracles of God. God can do miracles anytime he wants, any way he wants, whenever he wants. Can I get an amen? Amen. But the truth is, follow me here for a moment. The truth is, the ways of God, the character of God, is that he usually doesn't perform miracles unless he finds a human being who is in a prime position to receive a miracle. What I mean by that is this. Everybody here wants the miracles of God in your life. That's what I know about you. Everybody, me included, both hands, count me in, right? Everybody wants the miracles of God. Very few people want to place themselves in the prime position to experience the miracles of God. Everybody wants miracles. And our tendency is we sit back and we just pray for miracles when in reality the truth is God wants us to play a role in the miracle. Biblical illustration that will clearly demonstrate to you what I'm talking about. Another passage of scripture that you all know about. Jesus calling Peter to walk on water. Remember it? 
It's in Matthew 14. The disciples are on the Sea of Galilee. The storms are coming up. Some of you are facing storms right now. The storms in your life. Jesus comes walking across the Sea of Galilee. Question again. Do you, do you believe Jesus walked on water? You've got to wrestle these questions. You've got to figure that out. Like I, I firmly believe that he was God-man. Able to perform miracles. Faced with temptations just like you and I. Just without sin. But back to the story. Jesus comes walking on the water. He calls Peter. Peter steps out of the boat. You remember? He steps out of the boat. And he actually walks on water. But then what happens? He takes his eyes off of Jesus and what happens? He starts to sink. Now I get sick and tired of people criticizing criticizing Peter for sinking. Come on. Where were the other 11? They were in the boat. Why were they in the boat? Because they were scared. Peter was the only one who mustered up the courage to... Imagine that first step. Here's my point. Here's my point. Here's my point. If you want to walk on water in life, you have to first get out of the boat. If you want to walk on water in life, which I know most everyone here does, you have a role to play. You have to get out of the boat first. What does it look like for you to get out of the boat? Here's my question that I really just want to settle into your soul today. And, and, and then we're going to move on. I'll be done after we ponder this a little bit. Why don't you read this out loud with me? Ready? Go. What roles do you need to play that will place you in a prime position to experience the supernatural miracles of God? Let me just pause for a moment so you can just marinate in that. What role or roles do you, do you need to play to place yourself in a prime position to experience the miracles of God in your life? You have a role to play. So think about the miracles you've been praying for because you guys are really engaged in this series. Some of you are praying for relational miracles. Some of you are praying for bivocational miracles. Some of you are praying for educational miracles. Some of you are praying for marriage miracles. Parenting miracles. What role... Do you need to play like the little boy? How can you be a catalyst that places yourself in a prime position to experience the miracles of God? Because here, here's the key message embedded in John chapter 6. Watch this. Write this down. You don't want to miss this. If you put what you have in your hands, hello, into the hands of God, he can make a lot out of your little. If you take what you have in your hands, and you might feel like it's not much. Can you imagine the little boy? (laughs) He sees the crowd. But he was willing to take what he had in his little hands, little as it was, put it into the hands of God, And God made a lot out of his little. You know why this is so hard? This is so hard because we think in the natural. 
We think that if we take and give God what we have, we think that if we act on what we have and we generously share what we have with God, be it our time, be it our talent, be it our treasure, we think that if we do that, we'll actually have less. That's the natural mind thinking. In other words, if you just think about the passage, got any mathematicians in here today? Five plus two equals what, church? That's the natural. And it's true. Last time I checked, that's what it means. That's not what it means, though, when you put God into the equation. Let me break it down for you. In this passage, five, what's the five represent? Barley loaves. Five plus two, what's that represent? No, sushi. Sorry. Just kidding. Five plus two equals 20,000 buffet meals. The pastor said they ate as much as they wanted. 20,000 meals. But don't miss that last little nugget. I'm going to say 12 R. <laughs> 12 doggy bags remaining. 5 plus 2 equals 20,000 meals and 12 doggy bags for the disciples to carry home what God was giving them. Here's another way of putting it. Oh, my Lord. When God puts his super with your natural, you have more left over than when you had to begin with. You see it? You see it, church? When God puts his what? With your? You have more left over than you had to begin with. I can tell you a, an important story that really shaped this church's life. Some of you might have heard it. Most of you haven't. We were four years old as a church. We had launched this church 13 years ago in East Chapel Hill High School in North Chapel Hill. We moved from that location into an kind of a Catholic building. We rented a Catholic building from the Raleigh Diocese, and we were there for two years. So we were about four years old. Four years into the life of this church, we're just, God is just doing an amazing thing. And we knew right away, oh my Lord, we better hold on for dear life. Well, about this time, a group of pastors and leaders in North Carolina approached me and gave me, literally said, here is a church in North Durham. It was a nice church, by the way. Nice church on Coal Mill Road. Here's a church. The church is dying. We want you to pastor that church too. To which I thought, what are you smoking? I just, there was no way I could pastor that church and New Hope at the same time. So I said no. But the Spirit just wouldn't let me live with saying goodbye to that because it was a great piece of property and a great building. So God led me to set up another meeting with this group of pastors in which I showed up and I said, Hey, I can't. There's no way I can pastor two churches, but I have a better idea. Why don't you give me the land and the building? To which I'm sure they thought, what are you smoking? <laughs> and I said, no, 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 no. I said, I know, yeah, I know this is out of the ordinary. I said, you, you, I, need, I need you to not just think outside the box. I want to blow the box up. 
I figured out a church in North Durham that would buy this land from us and this building. I had already arranged for the sale. $1,050,000. I said, I've already orchestrated it. There's a church. friend of mine the pastor. will sell this church for a million fifty. You guys take the 50000 Let me sell this building and this land. And I'm going to take that seed money. And I'm going to buy a parcel of land on Fayetteville Road right by the streets of South Point Mall. They said, well, that's a big decision. We need to talk about it and maybe vote. We're going to ask you to go to another room. So I stood up to leave the room and there was a sweet little elderly lady sitting right here beside me. She's probably in her upper 80s. And as I was leaving, she said, Pastor, I've been on this committee for 15 years. And as you go into that other room, I think you should start thinking about how you're going to use that million dollars to get your land to build that building. Come on now. Now... See, see, my point is where God guides, he provides. Write this down. Where God guides, he provides. Some of you came today just to hear that one message. Where is he guiding you to get out of the boat? Where is he guiding you to play a role in the miracles of God so that God can provide the miracle that you are so desperately looking for? Again, again. What role or roles do you need to play that will place you in a what church? In a prime position to experience the supernatural miracles of God. Reflect with me for a moment. Over here in John 2, remember I preached on that three weeks ago? Jesus changed water to wine. You remember that? Remember that? Those of you who are here. Again, if you missed it, it's at the Resource Center. Here, here was what I said that day, and this really, really resonated with a lot of you. I couldn't believe the chord that it struck. If it is important to you, it is important to God. Say that with me. If it is important to you, it is important to God. And, and here was the main point. Nothing is too small for God. Nothing is too small for God. Now watch this. What's the message of John 6? The multiplication. Same thing. If it is important to you, it is important to God. But here's where it changes. In John 2, the message of the text is nothing is too small for God. In John 6, come on church, nothing is too big for God. Nothing is too big for God. Nothing is too small for Him. Nothing is too big for Him. The question I would have for you is, what role are you to play? See, that's why I love to to share that story about a million dollars. We say it around here at New Hope Church. God was the first giver. Maybe you never heard that. Maybe you never realized that. When we decided God was calling us to be located right here in the epicenter of North Carolina so that we can launch campuses in Garner and Sanford and North Raleigh and Columbia and beyond. When we decided this was our post, God was the first giver. And he gave a good gift. Amen. And the reason I love to tell that story is because when you testify to the miracles of God, you become a prime candidate to what God wants to do in your life. I got a story this week. I got a story this week. I love this. Dear New Hope, can I just start off by saying how awesome God is and how he knows exactly what is needed in our lives? I felt the need to share this story with New Hope because we are on the the series, He Still Moves Stones. Last Monday, the Monday after Easter, I invited my co-worker to church. She hasn't been to church in years and never really knew the goodness of God's love. 
She even mentioned to me that she believed that the Bible was a scary book. Can anybody relate? I informed her that the Bible had a lot to say about God's love, and it wasn't only about his wrath. Good job. I told her how Jesus saved us and how he spoke on our behalf. Well, she came to church this Sunday and brought her daughter with her, and she felt the spirit as soon as she entered the building. Needless to say, the word that Pastor Benji preached and the Holy Spirit was in the place to lead her, and she was saved that day. Watch this, watch this. this I mean, that's good. Praise God. Praise God. Well, but I want you to watch what happened, what a new hoper did. Talking about playing a role in a miracle. With her being saved and not having a Bible, I went to the resource center to get her a new Bible. Well, we didn't have any more in the resource center that day. So I was just going to go home and give her one of mine. Well, when I told the first contact person in the resource center about how she didn't have a Bible and how she just got saved, an amazing New Hope member reached into her purse and gave her an awesome study Bible. God showed up and showed out, not only with her, but with her daughter as well. We decided to go by the fountain after church, and her daughter asked me about the fountain, and I told her that is where we get baptized, and she asked me if she could be baptized too. I was so happy to see and hear God move, and I just wanted to share. Come on, church. Come on, church. Do you see it? You see the role that God often wants you to play when miracles start happening? You see how God calls you and he calls me to give generously of the things of God, to take steps to reach out so that God can move in a mighty and powerful way in our lives. The little boy was the catalyst who generously gave. Here's my question to you. What role do you need to play as you desire the miracles of God? There, there's a perfect illustration that I want to give, and then I'm going to read one more passage of Scripture, and I'm done. So let's just start to land the plane here. But I want to give an illustration because it, it, it's amazing. I, I want to talk to you about tithing. Surely not, a, surely not a message on giving by any means, but there's no way I can look at what this little boy did and not point out generosity and how generosity brings the generosity of God in your life. And here's what I mean by this. Those of you who are here, uh, you grew up in the church, you know what the biblical tithe is. Some of you are maybe new to the faith and you don't know. The biblical tithe is the teaching in the Old and the New Testament about the way in which God's movements, God's churches are funded. So in the Bible, the tithe represents what church? What percentage? Ten. Tithe is ten. What happens when we are faced with a decision, are we going to tithe or not? We're faced with the decision, are we going to trust God to give God, to return back to God what God has given, trusting that God is going to bless me with even more? Are you with me? The whole tithe in the Old Testament goes back to an agricultural teaching where the people of God would bring their first 10% of their crops Known as what church? The first fruits. They would bring the first fruits to God's temple, believing that God would therefore bless 
the other 90% so that they could be blessed and live for God. Here, here's my story. Every time we have an Abundant Life membership class, and we have about four a year, and they're right in this room, and the campuses have them at all their locations. Every time we have an Abundant Life membership class, I teach on what membership means. And this place is full of people, and I talk about members at New Hope commit to the four G's of membership. The four G's. Members at New Hope commit to growing in the grace of God. How many of you believe members of our church should be gracious people? You ever been to a church where the members... Anyway, anyway, anyway. So they're they're growing the grace of God. Secondly, members at New Hope Church commit to being in a life group. There's the second G, group. Thirdly, members of our church commit to serving according to their spiritual gift. There's the third G. And fourthly, members at New Hope Church commit to giving the biblical tithe for the advancement of God's kingdom. That's how the church is funded, by the way. The church is not funded by car washes. Hello. You'll never bust up to New Hope Church and find a bake sale. Nothing against bake sales. But the truth is, if you get God's people living like the little boy, generously giving what they have to God, listen, God's church will thrive. Can I get an amen? So, So every membership class, always, without exception, this happens. Time for the join, time for people to join the church. They join the church. Overwhelming majority of people always join the church, but there's always one or two people who make their way down front. They come down front here and they look at me and they say, Pastor, we really want to join the church. But if we start tithing, there's no way we're going to be able to afford. And then they list the things they can't afford. If we start tithing, we're not going to be able to pay our rent. If we start tithing, we're not going to be able to pay our bills. If we start tithing, we're not going to be able to buy food, whatever. And I, I always think a couple things in this situation. I'm so thankful they have the, 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 the comfortable feeling with me that they can share that. That's the first thing. And then the second thing, they always ask me this question, without exception. What do you think we should do? And in that moment, can I just be real transparent for a moment? In that moment... In my natural human self, I'm torn. In that moment, I'm torn because a part of me wants to say, oh, well, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. You you need to pay your bills. But the other part of me that has lived and walked with God long enough will never let me say that to them. Because here's what I have to say. So I straighten up my spine and I say this. Tithe anyway. Tithe anyway. Anyway, because here is what I have come to believe and experience in my life. That if I honor God with 10% of what he has given me, I can live on 90% that is blessed far better than I can live on 100% that is not blessed. Say so. Say so. And, that, and, and, and that's why some of you, that you're not, again, and this is not, a, this is not a message on giving. This is not a money message. It's just an illustration. So worry not. I'm about to move on. But here's, here's the deal. Check it out. That's why some of you, you've ne- that, that you, if you've never tithed, some of you, when you hear people like me or those who just clapped, or maybe you're not a clapper, but you, you're still digging everything I'm saying because you've experienced. Those of you who, who have not done this yet, you have not lived with a generous nature like this little boy, you can't stand this one saying that we have a tendency to say. You can't outgive God. You know what, you know what a lot of you think when I say that? 
That is the biggest bunch of religious jargon I've ever heard. And that's what some of you think. Some of you think that is nothing more than a religious platitude warmed over and served to you over the years. But others of us know and believe without a shadow of a doubt that it is true. You cannot outgive God. You give God. You play the role. And you will actually see that you will start out with more than you had in the beginning when you honor God. So uh, last thing I'm going to say about this. You want to you trust God with your finances? Go online. You hope church. Go up to the top. Just click on e-giving. Figure out what your tithe is. A simple math, 10%. Figure out what your tithe is on your income streams. Set it up to reoccurring giving. And you watch God bless your finances. Because you can not outgive God. Last, last thing. And um, I'm done. I told you I was, I was done. Check it out. I don't, know what, I don't know what calling people to dinner at your house looks like. Um, but at my house, we call the kids to dinner. And we kind of, if we time it just right, I mean just right, they're able to, to run in, wash their hands. And they don't always wash their hands. We have to tell them. They're able to wash their hands. And then they come to the dinner table. And hopefully the timing is just right. And then one of us will say a short prayer over the meal. Notice I said short prayer. There is nothing worse. You're going to say, I can't believe a preacher just said that. There is nothing worse than having a piping hot meal under your nose and somebody praying on and on and on and on and on and the meal getting cold. You know what I'm saying? So we pray a what? Short prayer and we eat. In my backyard, in my backyard, we, we kind of have a traditional house you might think a contemporary church like this is a guy would live in a contemporary no we have an old house it's traditional and out back in the yard we have a dinner bell any of you ever grew up with a dinner bell and we don't do it all the time by any means but especially when the weather's nice and we're outside and we're grilling and we're, we're cooking i'll tell one of the one of the kids to go ring the dinner bell and they'll run over there and they'll grab that big and they'll start ringing that dinner bell now here's what i thought this week i've never I've never called my children to an empty table. Now that I think of it, that would be a great idea. I mean, I wouldn't do it over and over. That would be cruel. You know what I mean? But it would, it would be a great lesson to help us all get in solidarity with those who don't have anything to eat. Hello. But my point is, I've never called, I've never called our children to an empty table. That's what Jesus did in this passage. I want to point out something that maybe you didn't catch on the front end. Watch this and I'm done. Oh my. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go among so many? So the little boy just has the, the, the bag, you know, the long John silver bag, if you will. Watch this. Watch, 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 watch. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that area, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves. Question, church, question. How many loaves at this point in time? He gave thanks and distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same 
with the fish. Don't miss this. Jesus Christ lifted the bread. He lifted the fish. He thanked God for the miracle. Don't miss this before it happened. He thanked God. Jesus, the Son of God, took five pitiful barley loaves, two small fish, and lifted them and thanked God for an empty table, basically, for 20,000 people. He thanked God for the empty table, and he praised God for the miracle before it even happened. Here's, here's my point, and I'm done. Here's my point. I want to invite you to do the same today. I want to invite you as we wrap up to reach into the chair in front of you. It's on the rack, if I'm not mistaken, the book rack, or if you're on the front row or the back row at any of our locations in Sanford, it's in the pews. I want to invite you to find this prayer card. It's, it's in the book rack, if I'm not mistaken. And again, if you're on the front or back row, it's in the baskets. I want to invite you to take a moment today and ask yourself one question and then I want to give you one challenge. One question, one challenge. Everybody got it? Hold it up. I love it, church. Way to go. I love it. Here's the question I want to ask you. And I want you to write it on this prayer card if, if, if you feel comfortable. Write down the miracle that you're longing for and you know what it is. The greatest miracle, two or three, you'd like to see in your life. But here's what I want you to write on the prayer card. What is your role in that miracle? What is the step, the leap of faith God's calling you to make? Again, the question that I asked, I put on the screen twice, I don't need to put it up again, is this. What role or roles... Is God calling you to make and he's calling me to make to place myself in the prime position of experiencing the miracle of God? What is it? Because you can sit back and do nothing if you want. But again, I just want to let you know a little word of prophecy here. You probably will not experience the miracles of God. Again, God can do whatever God wants to do. I'm not God. Thanks be to God. <laughs> but what I found is that God loves to unleash miracles in the lives of those who are willing to participate with him in the miracle. What role is he calling you to take? Step is he calling you to make? Write that down. And here's the second thing. Could you have the faith and the courage to praise him even in advance of the miracle? In other words... Could you this week start praising God for the marriage that you one day want to have? Could you start praising God for the child that you one day might have? The job that you one day might have? The education that you one day might have? To preemptively praise Him for the miracle that you're longing for. Staff will tell you, I do this all the time. We get together, man. We're praying as a staff team. Something I was taught early on. I love to praise God for that which does not exist yet. Because, beloved, we can speak and pray things into existence that those things don't exist yet. But we can speak them into existence when we praise God and, and thank Him for what He hasn't even done yet. So you just thank Him. 
We're going to sing a song. One of my favorite songs. It's called Arms Open Wide. And we're going to create some space here for you just to sit with God. Here are the lyrics, though, that we will sing. Take my life. I lay it down. At the cross where I am found. Watch this. All I have, God. All I have. I give to you. Here I stand, arms open wide. I am yours. And you are mine. Jesus. I'm going to turn it back over to the campus leaders at all of our locations. They will lead you forward from this point on. We love you guys. We're praying for you. As you get up after singing this song and you take this card like we will do here at Central. And you take it to a prayer wall and you slip it into a prayer wall. Committing to God the role that you're going to play. Praising him even in advance. We love you guys at all of the campuses. I'm going to invite our worship team to come out. We're going to just kind of sit here for a moment. Is that cool with you guys? Hey, don't leave. Don't, don't squelch the spirit here. Don't leave. Don't worry, about, don't worry about beating the Baptist to the restaurant. It's all good. Just take that card. Have some time. Pray over it. Share your heart. Fold it up. Sing this song, arms open wide. And go to a prayer wall. And commit to God. The role that you're going to play. Let Him know specifically what you need Him to do. And here's the big, big faith-filled part. Praise Him in advance. Thank Him by faith for what I believe He wants to do in your life and He wants to do in my life. Amen? Let's just sit in this moment. Thanks for joining us today. If you'd like to learn more about the ministries of New Hope Church, just stop by one of our campuses anytime or visit us online at newhopechurch.org. If you have any prayer requests, please send those to prayers at newhopenc.org and our pastors and staff will stand with you in prayer. Thanks for being a part of our church family and we hope you'll join us next week.